hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Those of you who are here online, welcome. I didn't want to leave you out, so welcome to Discovery Point Church. Thank you for being here. But Matthew chapter 5, I want to read verses 17 through 20. Matthew 5, verses 17 through 20. Jesus says this, Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass away from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and so teaches others shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we we thank you for a sweet time of worship. And Lord, even now, our, our praise, your praise, is continually in our hearts and in our minds and on our lips. And we thank you for, for all that you have done. Thank you for rescuing us from sin. Thank you for providing such a place as this to gather together to freely worship you. And Lord, as we come to your word this this evening, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, uh, that that you would open up your scripture and by your spirit, move us out of our comfort zone. May we reverence your word as much as you reverence your word. We love you, Lord. Thank you in advance. Uh, for your message today, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we have seen since the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he has come preaching, repent, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is on its way. It is near. And Jesus is in Galilee, and he has been preaching. Next slide. He has been preaching and teaching the gospel of the kingdom. Matthew says that he's been healing all sorts of diseases, every kind of sickness. And people from all over Israel, from the south in Judea and Jerusalem in Samaria, uh, as far away as Syria and across the Jordan to the Decapolis, people have been coming in throngs to see Jesus. Because Jesus is not your typical rabbi. There's something different about this rabbi named Jesus. He's not like the other rabbis. He doesn't talk like the other rabbis. He doesn't do the things that the other rabbis do. There's something peculiar about this rabbi called Jesus. And Matthew says that this mega crowd has come to see him and to follow him people from all over again. And so Jesus goes up to a mountain. We're not quite sure which one, but we're pretty sure it overlooked the Sea of Galilee. 
and he goes up this mountain, and he sits down, as the rabbis do when they are about to teach, and he begins to talk to them about the principles of the kingdom. He begins to teach them what kingdom living is all about, what it's really about. And so he begins in Matthew chapter 5 with the Beatitudes. These are these inward attitudes that we ought to have as kingdom citizens. They are attitudes that brought both blessing and a benefit. You know, things, things that were really countercultural, like blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the gentle, they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And I know Miss Betty is in his presence today. And then Jesus went on to say that you are, present tense, ongoing action, you are the salt of the earth. And Pastor Ron told us that no matter where you go, we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. And as Pastor, as Pastor Ron just kind of told us, don't be a dimmer switch Christian, right? Let your light shine in all situations, no matter where you go. Let it shine. And so Jesus has told this crowd who they are, and today he's going to tell them how they should be living as kingdom citizens. Having included the preamble or the, the introduction to this sermon, Jesus addresses what is undoubtedly on a lot of the people's mind within this crowd. And that's simply this. Is this new rabbi going to come with some new teaching? Is he going to alleviate the weight of the, the, the law of Moses? Is he going to maybe, maybe cut a few of the lesser laws out so that we can have a little bit of relief? Maybe he'll even cancel it because he's been saying things that other rabbis just don't say. The answer to that is simply this. No, he will not. As a matter of fact, we're going to see in the oncoming weeks that Jesus is going to expound upon the law in such a way that it's going to be even more extensive. But you got to be here for that. And let me just say, as we continue on, some of what Jesus has to say may rub you the wrong way. You may not agree with what Jesus has to say. It may stir up this sense of rebellion in you. This sense of, I'm not going to do that. But remember, Jesus is the king. And we are his citizens. We are his ambassadors. And we represent him, not the other way around. And I'm with it. There are some things that's like, Lord, that's kind of hard. Well, I just said, get over it. Just do it. Nevertheless, what Jesus has to say are his requirements for his people. And it is what he expects from his citizens because, again, we are his ambassadors. Amen? Amen? And so now Jesus begins with what is the very foundation of his ministry, his word. Look at verse 17 with me of Matthew chapter 5. 
Jesus says, do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. And Jesus explains what his purpose is, why he came. He says, I came to, not to abolish, but to fulfill the law and the prophets. Now, when you hear law and the prophets, it could mean one of two things. It could mean the law, the five books of Moses, the first five books in the Bible, and then the prophets, those letters that the prophets had written. Or the law and the prophets could simply mean the, the totality of the Hebrew canon or the Old Testament. And I think contextually, Jesus is talking about the totality of the Old Testament or the Hebrew canon. What's interesting is that this word for, for abolish is, is katalusai in the Greek, and it means to, to destroy or to, to throw down, to detach or to dismantle, to do away with. What I find interesting is that the law was central in Jewish faith, and the reading of the law was supremely important. However, the prophets were seen as kind of a secondary supporting kind of a deal, and they weren't really that important. And the rabbis believed that there were, there were two Torahs given by God. There was the written Torah, and then there was the oral Torah. And they placed a lot of weight in the oral Torah, giving of the law verbally. And here's something else I find interesting. You know that there are pastors today Matter of fact, there is a very popular pastor, and you probably have some of his books on your bookshelf, who has called for believers in Christ to unhitch, quote-unquote, the Old Testament. Have you heard this? Very popular pastor in our culture today who says we need to unhitch the Old Testament because it's not for the church. And because this pastor is very popular, he has a lot of followers. Matter of fact, he's got a very large church uh, in Georgia. That's all I'm going to say. But what did Jesus say? He said his purpose was not to abolish the law, but the strong contrast, not to, allow, not to abolish, but to fulfill. The, the Greek word for fulfill is, is plerosai, and it means to complete or to bring to completion, it means to bring to a desired end. And so Jesus says that I came to fulfill the law and the prophets. But what does it mean to fulfill the law and the prophets? What is Jesus talking about? Got an idea. Two things. Number one, to fulfill the law and the prophets means to keep the law of God perfectly. To keep the law, the law of Moses, to keep it perfectly. See, that's why Jesus came. If you and I could keep the law perfectly every day, all day, for the rest of our lives, we wouldn't need Jesus. Amen? But because we are human beings, both Jew and Gentile, we, we, we are faulty, we are sinful, we are even inconsistent. We don't keep the law. As a matter of fact, in about two seconds, somebody's going to break the law. We can't keep the law. 
That's why Jesus had to come to fulfill the law, to keep the law perfectly so that we would have a Savior who would die on a cross one day and pay the price for our sins. Amen? Amen. Because we could. There's a second reason. Jesus also came to fulfill not only the law, but the prophets. And it's the prophets that wrote about Jesus in the Old Testament. In John chapter 5, verse 39, Jesus tells the religious leaders this. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. He says, it is these, the Hebrew canon, the Old Testament, that testify about me. Jesus says, the Old Testament speaks about me. Well, well, what did he mean? In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, Isaiah says this. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw who? I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. This is Isaiah, 700 plus years before Jesus came. Yet in John chapter 12, listen to what Jesus says, starting at verse 38. Talking about Isaiah, this was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet, which he spoke, Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For blind, for, 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 the, for this reason, excuse me, they could not believe. For Isaiah again says, he has blinded their eyes and he hardened their hearts so that they would not see with their eyes and perceive with their heart and be converted and I heal them. Verse 41, these things Isaiah said because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Who? Jesus. When Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6 says, I saw the Lord, he saw Jesus. In Isaiah chapter 53, another great text, beginning in verse 3, Listen to what the Old Testament, the Hebrew canon says. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised. And we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he, he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquity, the chastening of our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused this iniquity of, of us all to fall on him. Who's Isaiah talking about? Jesus. Right here in the Old Testament. Amen. Isaiah uh, chapter 61, verses 1 and the beginning of verse 2. Isaiah writes this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Jesus says in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, to the synagogue, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. 
Isaiah was talking about Jesus. By the way, Jesus stopped halfway through verse 2 of Isaiah chapter 61. Because the rest of that verse says, And the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. That's coming. But the Old Testament speaks of Jesus. One more. Psalm 22 verses 1 through 8. For the choir director upon Haleth Hashashar, a psalm of David. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Does that sound familiar? Far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. Oh, my God, I cry from my deliverance. I'm sorry. I, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I have no rest. Yet you are holy. O oh, you who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel, in you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were delivered. In you they, they trusted and were not disappointed, but I am a worm and not a man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. All who see me sneer at me. They separate with the lips. They wag the head saying, commit yourself to the Lord. Let him deliver you. Let him rescue you because he delights in him. Jesus came to fulfill not only the law, but also the prophets who spoke about Jesus. Does that make sense? And so he says, I came to fulfill. Not to, not to abolish, but to fulfill. So don't think he came to unhitch the Old Testament, as some would have us believe today. Here's why. The Apostle Paul, in, in the New Testament, in Romans chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, it says this. He says, For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Verse 4. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for what? Our instruction. So that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Paul says the Old Testament, the Hebrew canon, was written for our instruction so that we would have hope. So why would we get rid of that? In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 1 through 6, Paul says this to the church at Corinth. He says, for I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, this is coming out of Egypt, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, that's manna from heaven, and all drank the same spiritual drink, that's water out of a rock, for they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them God was not well pleased, for they were laid low in the wilderness. Read verse 6 with me. Now these things happened as examples for us so that we would not crave evil things as they also crave. Paul says that these things happened so that they would be examples for, for us, even today. Verses 7 through 11, Paul continues, Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play. Nor let us act immorally, as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in one day. Nor let us try the Lord, as some of them did, and were destroyed by serpents. 
nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Verse 11. Now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages has come. Paul says the Old Testament was written so that we would know what to do and what not to do. Amen? Now, there's something here that Jesus wants to make sure that everybody in this crowd and everybody under the sound of my voice understands. Look at verse 18 with me. Matthew chapter 5, look at verse 18. Jesus says, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Did you catch that? Jesus says truly, or you might have amen, or you may have verily in your version. And this is the idea of having absolute trust, absolute reliability or faith in what is about to be said. And Jesus says, for truly, and he's speaking with authority, I say to you. And the you is emphatic in the Greek text. Remember when your kids were, were, were small and they did something that you told them not to do and you wanted to let them know how dangerous that was and you say, come here, come here, look at me, look at me. Don't do that again. Remember those days? It was like, no, it wasn't yesterday. But that's the idea here. Jesus says, for truly I say to you, he's like, you need to get this. Until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass away from the law until all is accomplished. And this, the idea of passing away is to perish, to come to an end. And one day, this heaven and this earth will come to an end. But God's word will not change. In, in Hebrew... Because what Jesus has just said is profound. In Hebrew, the smallest letter is Yod. And this is, this is the name for God. Uh, this is God's covenant name. This is what's called the tetronomogram, the Y-H-W-H, the, the Yod, Hey, Vav, Hey. You read that from right, right to left, or right to left if you're looking at me. The smallest letter in Hebrew, go to the next slide, is the Yod. Looks like a little breath marker, just like a comma. Jesus says, this small, insignificant letter will not pass away until all is accomplished. That is the smallest letter in Hebrew. And he says, or stroke, the smallest stroke in Hebrew. Next slide, please. What you've got here is you've got a resh on the left and a dalet on, on the right. Resh in Hebrew is an R type of sound, and Dalit is a D type of sound. And these, these letters look alike, except for one thing. You see the next slide, please. You see that little tail, that, that small stroke at the back of the Dalit? That's called a, a kereya. And it's just a small stroke to distinguish these two Hebrew letters. And Jesus says, this small stroke will not depart from his word until heaven and earth pass away. And this, this Korea distinguishes Dalit and, and Resh. In English, it's like having an O and a Q. Q has a little tail to distinguish it. 
It's the same thing here. There's a theological term for this. It's called verbal plenary inspiration. Next slide. Verbal plenary inspiration. Here's what that means. That everything that God wanted to say, he said in his word. Every word in the scripture is God-breathed and important. Every construction of the word, every verb, every adjective, every noun, every infinitive, every participle, God put there for a reason. And God doesn't talk just to be talking. God's word is, is inspired. And Jesus says everything there. You know what? That's why at this church when we go through letters, we don't skip big swaths of the scripture. We hit every verse, every word, every chapter. Because it's God's word. And what God has to say to us is vitally important. Would you agree with that? Yes. Amen. And so everything that proceeds from the mouth of God is vital. Here's what Jesus is saying. That my word, the law, and the prophets, they are permanent. We know because the Bible tells us. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 6, Paul, or Isaiah says this. He says, a voice says, call out. Then he answered, what shall I call out? All flesh is grass, and all, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass, the grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades. But the word of our God stands forever. Amen? The word of our God shall stand forever. And it's the foundation for all that we are as believers in Christ. God's word is the foundation for our knowledge about who God is. If you want to know who God is, you read the Old Testament. And God tells you who he is. If you want to know, is God really gracious? Is he really merciful? Read the Old Testament, and you will see how merciful and how gracious God really is. And by the way, he doesn't change. He's still merciful today. He's still gracious to us today. God's word is, the, is our foundation for morality, for righteousness, for salvation, for our society, for what is right and wrong, and for everything that we do as followers of Jesus Christ. So why would we ever want to get rid of it? Someone has said that God's law is a reflection of his holiness, righteousness, and character. Therefore, it is changeless and eternal. I love that. So Jesus didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets. They will stand forever. But there's a warning that Jesus wants to give these folks and he wants us to understand this warning, too. Look at verse 19. Jesus says, Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Stop there. Jesus tells this crowd that whoever annuls, and the word annul is, is related to the word abolish. It's got the same root meaning. Whoever chooses to annul or abolish one of the least of these commandments. And the rabbis had this, this habit of ranking the laws from most important 
to, to least important. And the most important, you most certainly must keep. But the least important, eh, maybe not so much. And Jesus says that whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same, like the Pharisees were doing, shall be called least in the kingdom. What I find interesting is that this least in the kingdom, uh, in the Greek text, it's what's called a divine passive. In other words, God himself will call you least in the kingdom. You don't lose your salvation. You still go to heaven. But the Lord himself will call you least in the kingdom if you annul one of his commandments. Scary stuff. So don't take God's word lightly. It ought to be revered and, and studied with, with reverence and, dare I say, fear. Don't be afraid, but just be, be reverent of it. But Jesus continues with the latter half of verse 19. He says, but whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So if you, if you keep the law, he tells this crowd, and us, you keep the law, and you teach others to do the same. You will be, you will be called, and it's, it's a, a divine passive again, you will be called great in the kingdom. Now, I get it. We're, we're not under the Old Testament law. But in a way, we are. Jesus says in the New Testament, he was asked, teacher, what's the greatest commandment? What did Jesus tell this, this lawyer? Love the Lord God are your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And they said, that, that's the first and greatest commandment. He said, but the second is like it. And what's the second one? Love your neighbor as yourself. He says, on these two commandments, the whole law hangs. So if we love God and we love others, that's how we keep the law today. Two laws, love God, with all that is within you, and love others. Easy, right? That's why we pray. That's why we pray. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. There's a second warning. Look at verse 20. For I say to you, again, teaching with authority, and the you is emphatic. I'm talking to you. I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes or Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Strong words. But Jesus meant what he said. In the Greek text, when you want to say something that is an absolute negative, like this is never going to happen, you use the, the construction that's it's two negative particles, ooh and may. They both mean not or no, but you put them together, and it means never in a month of Sundays will this happen. And that's what Jesus uses here. That unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, what was the righteousness of the Pharisees? Well, they had, a, they had a legalistic righteousness. They kept the letter of the law. A Pharisee could say, I did not commit murder today. 
I did not commit adultery today. But Jesus is going to correct that. And that means you got to come back in a couple of weeks to see what he's going to correct. Jesus is going to expound and expand how the law should be interpreted. It's not just a, okay, I didn't do this, and I didn't do that, and oh, I did that today. There's much more to it. And it's not our righteousness before God. It's not this salvific righteousness before God, but it's our righteousness before one another. It's our righteousness before men. It's how we live the kingdom life. It's that righteousness. And Jesus has a lot to say about how we live the kingdom life. Amen? Amen. The Old Testament and the New Testament are the very foundation for how we are to live our lives. And how we view them can have a profound effect on our eternity. God's word does not change and will always be. It is absolute truth and can be trusted. God's word not not only demonstrates what God requires of us, but Jesus himself tells us of what he requires of us. And we're going to see this beginning next week when Pastor Greg preaches these next few verses. So I want to leave you with this. How do you view the Hebrew canon, the Old Testament? Do you see it as truth? Do you, do you see it as eternal? Do you see it necessary for daily life? Or is it one of those, a verse a day to keep the devil away? By the way, you know, we're going through the Old Testament here at Discovery Point Church. The last Monday of every month, we do a, an enrichment class, and we're currently going through the Old Testament, and we're coming to the end of the major prophets. So if you're here and you're local and you're so inclined, join us on the 27th of February as we get back into the Old Testament. And I think you'll find it's not scary. But you, 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 you will see a loving God who loves his people and is gracious and merciful to them over and over and over again. So that's a shameless plug. February 27th, right here, uh, 5.30 p.m. But do we see God's word as, as truth and something necessary for us today? Secondly, are our lives drawing men towards Jesus? Are you living your life in such a way that you are drawing your, your colleagues and folks at the marketplace and folks in your neighborhood and folks in your family who you may not cotton to, nonetheless, they may need Jesus. And so are, we, are our lives and how we live drawing men and women towards Jesus? I can't answer that, but you can. And here at Discovery Point Church, we want to live out the kingdom life. Because sometimes we're the only Bible that people will read and see. Amen? Pray with me. Father, thank you for, for your word. Your word never fails. Lord, your word will always exist and will always be. And it is exactly what we need for times such as today. 
Lord Jesus, help us to get into your word so that you might speak to our hearts and our minds as we deal with the chaotic and the sinful culture that we find ourselves in. But moreover, help us to be salt and light today. Not tomorrow, but today. So that when we leave this place, people will see and hear you through us, we pray. May our lives, Lord, be a testimony uh, of your goodness and your grace. We love you, Jesus. May our lives express that. And we ask all these things in your name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.